0: I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you, and most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today.
1: It's my pleasure to introduce our speaker tonight. <clears throat> this this <clears throat> this man has one of the most profound ministries, yes, of healing, but of impartation. God uses him with such grace to transfer God's heart and empowerment to people that then they get lit on fire and that they're changing the world. I mean, Heidi Baker, to name one. (laughs) Leif Hetland, to name another. I just found out today that Todd White got his empowerment, his encounter through Dr. Randy Clark and that ministry. Does anyone have expectancy for what God is going to do? Please join me in welcoming Dr. Randy Clark as he comes and shares with us this evening.
0: I remember the first time I heard this, and I could actually tell you Bill's introduction, but I won't because I don't have time, but... Uh, In in Revelation chapter 19, in the last part of, of verse 10, it says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, prophecy's purpose is to encourage us, to comfort us, and to build us up. So when it comes to faith for healing, prophecy really is powerful in building up our faith. But it's the testimony of Jesus that is the spirit of prophecy. So when we give a testimony of what Jesus has done in times past, whether we're right out of the scriptures or right out of uh, last month, when we give a testimony, this is what we saw Jesus do, it actually is prophesying and he can do it again. And its purpose is to help you come into a greater measure of faith. Help you to be encouraged that you could be healed as well. And particularly if you have uh, something similar, it even has a more powerful impact because you say, that's what I have. If he healed them, he can heal me. This afternoon, after the, I don't want to need a microphone here in a minute. Um, this afternoon after the session, uh, out in the uh, foyer, a man came and would like for him to go ahead and make his way up here now, And if, if you can bring me that. Thank you. And he had long COVID. I'm going to let you tell him. I'm going to let him tell you what he had, and something he knew that he, some way he knows, he's been healing. That's happened in his body. So, awesome. I've been up here
1: we'll, Let me move it up. There you go. There we go. I think the last time I was up here was Christmas 2019. If any of you remember. <laughs> Got healed in the middle of worship and didn't ask for it. <laughs> so uh, last year in May, I got uh, COVID really bad. I almost almost died. And when I say almost died, I mean, I closed my eyes and started to see the light. And uh, since then, it's been quite a journey. Lost 30 pounds. I developed an autoimmune disorder. Uh, allergic to like 80% of foods. Can't have caffeine. All these things. And it's just been such a, such a battle. And uh, I, I was just having word after word of saying, come to the conference, and and you know, and I'm like, I'm not a person chaser, I'm not a church chaser. And I just I was like, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna obey. And uh, I waited patiently and, and Randy and his team, so amazing. I every single person just would swarm them and they would constantly give their love and attention. Amazing. And I just said, Hey sir, you know, this is this is briefly what I got. Would you pray for me? He said, Okay, well let's usher out of the sanctuary because they have to set up and they didn't just You know, lay it and walk away. They they went after it for a couple minutes, and just the power of God just came over me, and I just sat there and I was just shaking. He said, "Why don't you stay here for a minute, make sure you're okay?" And then the Lord said, "I want you to go have a cup of coffee." And I'm like, "Okay, now so, (laughs) you know, if we do that, my heart rate could go to like 120, and I could be shaking on the ground, and you know, this wouldn't be very good." He's like, "Do you trust me?" And I'm like, "Well, well, yeah, I do." He's like, "Well, go have a cup," and I'm like, "All right, it's going to take a minute to get up, so." I went over, and I'm like, well, God's like, what do you want? I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't remember this. I like, go with the vanilla lattes. <laughs> so I sat there, and I'm like, man, this is bringing back some memories. And I just started to sip it, and I just closed my eyes, and I was like, man, this is good. God, <laughs> you're so good. You're so good. But not just because it was good, because it's goodness. Like, it just, it, it, it's good. And I just sat there for a minute, and I'm like, I mean, my heart rate's 60, So, thank you, Jesus. I, can I call out if anyone has it? Long COVID? Yeah, that's why I was So, do it. Uh, if anybody is struggling with long COVID or an autoimmune disorder, I just want you to stand up. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Father. Jesus, you're so good. Thank you for everything you've given to us. Thank you for all these people in the room. Thank you for the people with the. the 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 courageousness to stand thank you lord thank you lord yeah we just call forth the presence of god in every person standing thank you lord they're your workmanship created for good works in christ jesus they are the salt of the earth and the light of the world thank you god they're a child of god and a friend of christ we just speak holy healing fire to every cell and ounce of their body in jesus name yeah, where their feet go, the temple, the kingdom of God is. Thank you, Father. Their temple, the Holy Spirit. God, we just we just speak healing and life and restoration to every ounce of their body. Whatever sickness is there, whatever autoimmune disorder, tachycardia symptoms, you don't have permission or right to be here in Jesus' name. Yeah, we call forth healing, God. Yeah, let it be a testimony to your love, Jesus. You're so good to us, God. Yeah, just bring your presence. Bring peace to their mind, to their heart, to their immune system, to their nerves. In Jesus' name, bring full restoration. Yes. No hesitation, No nothing blocking. There's an, an activity they can't participate in. Give them strength again, let them rise up. Thank you, Father. The way you rose from the dead and defeated it, Lord, you, you walked into Sheol and took the keys of death from Hades. Thank you, God. Bless them, Lord. Bless them. Bless them and keep them. Let your face to shine upon them. Lift your countenance upon them and give them peace. Shower them with your blessings. Make their body new. Let it be a testimony. And let the blessing go from me to others and out, God. Let the commission be fulfilled by the works of their hands and by the love you have for them. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.
0: And we trust as you check your body out, when you find out you've been healed, there's different things that some of you could do. Some of you may have, you know, have to, I don't know what you have to do to test it. He to, you know, do some things too. But when you do find out, be sure and tell your church. If this is your church, be sure and make sure they know it. Because it's important that we steward the testimony. Because... If I take credit for what God does tonight, I touch His glory. Now listen. If I take credit for what God does tonight, I will touch His glory, which is a bad thing. If He touches you and you don't give Him credit, you touch His glory, and it's still a bad thing. Because you're actually withholding the glory that He's worthy of and due of and, and expects literally from His people. And the number one way God glorifies His name in the Bible is through what He does, and the testimony of what He does. And He's very, especially you look in the Old Testament too. He really wanted the people to have these memory stones, have these these ways of remembering, and and these were of the testimony of what He had done. In the Old Testament, the main number one way that was, glories associated with God is in the pillar of fire by night. And the cloud by day. In the New Testament, the number one way God receives glory and is glorified is through the testimonies of healings uh, and miracles. So in Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, I'm actually going to tell you three stories by reading, just reading them from the Bible with four passages. And the reason why there's four passages but only three stories is I'm going to read one of the stories from both Luke and Matthew. And the reason for that is that you can see the chronology that I'm established as to when these stories occurred. That one story impacted the faith for another story that impacted the faith for another story. Now, these last two stories, I can prove, in my opinion, I can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that this story is what caused the faith in this region for, for the, the whole all the sick to be brought. It's my opinion, though I can't prove it from the scripture. It's still a biblical principle because I did the second and third story that there was another story that caused the second story to happen. So we're starting in the first story. It's in Luke chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. And he came down with them, and speaking of Jesus, and he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to him to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured And all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out of him and healed them all. Another translation says because power was coming out of him and healing them all. Can you imagine what that was like? To be in a place where there's a multitude of people and people are trying to touch Jesus and everybody that touches him is... Receiving healing because of the power that's coming out of Jesus and going into them. This power of the kingdom of God. He was the king that is initiating and inaugurating his kingdom. Healing is one of the signs of the kingdom. The message of the gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. We read that that's what John, uh, John the Baptist talked about. It's what Jesus talked about. It's what Paul talked about. It's what Stephen talked about. It was the gospel of the kingdom. And the gospel of the kingdom is that through the cross, God is releasing the Holy Spirit, and in the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, his kingdom is advancing as it pushes back the works of the devil. Jesus came in first John it says 938. Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the devil. Death, sickness, disease, demons. Is the kingdom of the darkness. And there's a war between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness that Paul talks about. And Jesus is the light of the world and he has made us to be light. So in in this sense, can you imagine? How many people do you think were healed that day? I believe that somebody that was this place, somebody somehow was talking about sharing the testimony. He should have been there. should have been there. I mean, everybody that touched him, their eyes opened, their ears open, their limbs moved, the paralyzed got up and walked. It was amazing. I was there. I saw it. Somebody shared that testimony, in my opinion, because I believe it's that testimony that caused the next story to take place. We find it a, a couple of chapters later. In Luke 8, which proves that what happens in Luke 6 chronologically occurred before what happened in Luke 8. Luke 8, verse 42, in the middle of the verse, through 48. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched, in the ESV, the fringe of his garment. King James, I believe, says the hem of his garment. So she touched, Notice this. This is important. You can say, well, that doesn't seem important, but it will be. In the telling of the story, in the details, in Luke, he mentions... This woman came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge, of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. That's also a very important statement. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden or she couldn't hide herself in another translation, she came trembling. Now, maybe she's trembling because she's afraid. She got caught stealing the anointing. <laughs> she couldn't hide herself. Why couldn't she hide herself? I, had a, I got my uh, wallet picked. I, I, I worked uh, um, like 80 hours a week when I was uh, 13, 14, 15 years old, driving tractors for farmers And I got a, like a dollar and a quarter an hour. And I would feel like I was really making a lot of money. A lot better than picking up hay at two cents a bale, you know. And, and I'd just been paid and I picked up my girlfriend and we went to the county fair. And we're standing in line. I've just bought tickets to ride the Ferris wheel. And I felt a bad pickpocket pick my pocket. It wasn't a good one. I felt it go. And I turned around as soon as I could. And I can't find, it's a little crowd, little crowd, not a big crowd, not a multitude. A little crowd, 20, 30 people's all around me. I can't find a pickpocket. They they hid themselves. Why couldn't this person, why couldn't this woman hide herself? I believe that the reason why she couldn't hide herself, because she's the one that looked like this. (laughs) Or maybe she's sweating profusely. She came trembling, realizing she can't hide herself. She came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. That's important. Luke doesn't tell us what she said, but Matthew does. We'll look at that in a moment. And he said to her, verse 48, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Probably no passage of scripture has been used for more sermons on healing than this one. I've heard so many sermons on healing on this passage. It's still being used all over the world. And it's a great passage and it's often talking about especially the power of faith. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. And that's true, but it's not totally true. It's only part of the truth. The full truth, his power that left his body when she touched the fringe of his garment is what healed her. She was healed immediately. But what's the relationship? All over the world, I use this illustration. It works so much better than English than it does Portuguese. Portuguese. How many of you believe your key will start your car? Okay. It's true. Your key will start your car. But it's not the full truth. Actually, it's kind of a half truth. Just take your key out there and just lay it on the motor anywhere you want. Just, you know, just just touch your car with your key. And you're saying, oh, my gosh, you're being so stupid. You got to know how to use your key. That's true. You got to know how to use the key. Even when you know how to use your key, does your key start your car? Not really. In English, we have this thing we boat on the engine. And I love the word we have in English for it. It makes this illustration so much easier to understand. What do you call the thing that's bolted on your engine that actually starts the car? Oh, doesn't that make sense? So what, it's easy. What starts your car? The starter starts your car. The starter is analogous to Jesus' power. The key is to your faith. They work together. The key causes the starter to work. Faith releases the power of God. Now, when we turn to Matthew Verses 20 through 22, we have the same story. Except there's a little bit added that Luke didn't include. Where it says, Luke said, she told in front of everybody. And that's important. In front of the whole crowd, she explained why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. Matthew 9, 20. And behold, a woman who had suffered with a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched. Both of them say the same thing. This detail is important. And touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, this is what Luke didn't tell us, when she touches the fringe of his garment, she's saying to herself, she had said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made whole. I want to tell you something. Your self-talk is very important. And I'm, and I'm, I'm not using it in a psychological way. I'm not using it in a secular way, but I'm using it about what you're Believing what you are expecting literally is so powerful in influencing what you are going uh, to receive. But I want to say something. I believe that she didn't work up her faith. I believe when somebody told her about what happened with Jesus, the multitude and everybody that was touching him was getting healed. It was that story that caused her to come to this conclusion that she is going to be healed. I believe that she heard the story and she said to herself, if I can touch him, if I can just touch his garment, I'm going to be healed. So when this happened, by the way, what we have right now happening is Pentecostal sacramentalism. <laughs> and for those of you who are Catholic, and for the, they don't even know that this is actually sacramentalism if you believe that the garment can carry the presence of Jesus, we ought to really believe that the communion, the Eucharist, the Thanksgiving was meant to carry his glory, his presence, his power. That we who eat his flesh and drink his blood have his life in us, according to John chapter 6. I was in Australia. This started to happen and I ended up, I had a pile this high, honest, this far, that high, belts, Bibles, pieces of clothing, handkerchiefs, and uh, I was getting ready to teach on the power of the Lord's Supper, the power of communion to bring healing to the body. And nobody knows I'm getting ready to teach on that. And all this is happening, they just keep bringing them, bringing them, bringing them, bringing them. And I thought, this is weird, this has never happened to me before. And the Lord whispered in my ear and a whispered impression. I just set you up. And I said, Lord, what do you mean you set me up? I don't get it. I said, what are you getting ready to preach on? I'm going to preach on the power of communion and bring healing to our bodies. He said, this is your setup. I said, I'm slow, Lord. He said, This is a Pentecostal sacramental. They say they don't believe in sacraments. They don't believe things can carry the presence of God, but they do. They believe handkerchiefs can. Acts 19. Based upon Acts 19, this is, the Protestant, this is a Protestant sacrament. This is a Pentecostal sacrament. If they can believe that, then tell them that much more than clothing, I have promised grace promised power, promised healing in the Lord's Supper. and I want my people to understand the great, how great a means of grace it is in the Lord's Supper for healing. So you may may you receive more grace, grace upon grace. From one level of glory to another and one level of grace to another. So, anyway, in this passage in uh, Matthew chapter 9, it's following what happened in Luke chapter 6. So, (laughs) should, should have done this in the summer. No, I, I seriously, I want you to know, I believe that in the power of faith, when people, we pray and we bless, because here's, listen to what I'm going to say. How many of you believe that when we lay hands on these things and bless these articles of clothing, they can begin to carry the presence of God for healing, huh? If you didn't believe it, you wouldn't have come up, you wouldn't have brought it up here then I want you to know I believe that when the prayer of consecration is prayed for the elements of the Lord's Supper they become in with the presence of Jesus and he, it's, when, it's, when we, it's like touching him and God wants us to realize that we have more in common with other denominations than what we think I'm not responsible for any lost clothing. (laughs) So back, trying to pick up, gather our thoughts together. In verse 21, for she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I'll be made whole. And Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart daughter your faith has made you well and instantly the woman was made well now to tie this all together we need to turn to Matthew chapter 14 the last 3 verses 34 35 and 36 you remember and setting the context when when they get there there's been a fight to get there i mean to get there they've been in a storm They've had to, Jesus had to calm the storm and it is like the enemy was trying to keep the kingdom out of this place of darkness, the land of Genesaret. So in verse 34, and when they had crossed over, they came to land at Genesaret, And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored. Another translation says, and they begged him. Begged Jesus that they might only touch the, here it is again. I want you to see this. They begged Jesus, only let them touch the fringe of your garment. Now if you go back through the Gospels and you study how Jesus mainly healed, he mainly healed by a command or a word or by the laying on of hands. He would Lay his hands on people and he'd pray for them and they'd get healed, or he'd declare something over them and by declaration and they'd be healed, or a third way, he would tell them to do something to the like the blind man go wash in the pool of Siloam, and when he did, then he could see. The, he looked for acts of obedience, he looks for do this, and when they did it, that was an expression of their faith in what he had said, and they were healed. There's only this one place that mentions one story, even though it's two places, it's still just one story, that mentions he they touched the fringe of his cloak. So when the people went throughout the land of Genesis and brought all the sick to him, why didn't they say, Jesus, just, just say the word? Because that's the way he mainly worked. Or Jesus, lay your hands on him. Because that's the way he mainly worked. Or Jesus, what should they do to, to obey your command that they might be healed? Because that's the third way they mainly worked. But only one story in all the Gospels where somebody touched the fringe of his garment and they just don't say, let him touch you, like Luke 6. They didn't, it's more specific. Let them touch the edge, the fringe of your cloak. I have read a lot of commentaries in the 52 years of ministry. And one of the ones that really makes me frustrated is commentaries of biblical scholars who are scholars, maybe more than biblical, but anyway. <laughs> and, they, and they don't like this passage. this Matthew 14, 34 through 36, a lot of scholars do not like this passage. And they'll even say, you know, this is where we're moving from real faith to kind of superstitious faith. And they, they look at this moment and what they ask is, say, well, they're just getting superstitious here. They don't understand how faith is created by testimony. And how the, the story literally is not superstition. It's just if that's the way he got in, I could be healed the same way. But it's not touching him, it's, it's, it's not a superstitious expectation, it's an th- expectation that if I touch him, power is going to come from him, and his power is going to heal me. Not my superstition is going to heal me, my faith in his power is going to heal me. And, but when, when people don't have an understanding, because they haven't seen much healing, and how f- healing is created by story, and healing is created by testimony, they think it's superstition. Because they don't really understand the miracle-working power of faith. And how faith is often created by testimony. So, I graduated with my doctorate in 2013. And right before I did, I um, was teaching in this uh, all-African-American church in Dayton pastored by a dentist, and his wife had two doctorates, and he had his doctorate in dentistry. And it was the only time I'd ever been in a, a time to go to a church where it was 100% African American. And I was really nervous about it because the school I went to had a lot of, of really great, some of the greatest black preachers in America would come there and preach. And they'd preach the paint off the walls. And, you know, even my first time there, I had me, I was standing up in my seat yelling myself, you know, just... You know, I, 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 so I was excited. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm going to this black church. I don't have rhythm. I don't know if I can hang, you know, have the, the organ thing get it going. And I, I, don't, I was really nervous. And I, I got there. And I've only, I want to tell you this this is the only time in my life this has ever happened. Oh, once in 52 years of preaching. So I start my sermon. And uh, it only takes about five minutes to realize this is, this is not the right message. Uh, this is not connecting. And so I, I said, I, I'm sorry, Pastor, but I don't have the right message. And I remember that morning, we, we were getting ready to come, and Paul Martini was my um, uh, intern at the time. He said, Randy, should we bring the camera uh, to this morning? He said, nah, it's Sunday morning. You know, nothing usually happens much on Sunday morning. It's, you know, we'll be sure to bring it tonight, but I'm not even going to go for healing Uh, this morning, so just, let's not not worry about it, and and, and so um, I was, said, pastor, I got the wrong sermon, I'm just going to tell some stories, now, I know some of you are thinking when I said that, well, what's the difference, (laughs) that's what your sermons are, anyway, and I came out just like I did here, and I stood on the front, in front of the pulpit, and I started telling stories of what I've seen God do around the world. And as I'm telling stories, I suddenly felt a strong sensation of heat come on the top of, um, I think it was the left foot, but I'm not sure now. And I just said, Without any explanation, not, I didn't say this is a word of knowledge, didn't explain what word of knowledge was. I just, I just, in the middle of my story, I said, oh, I just felt heat come on the top of my left foot. And that's it. I just went on right back into the story. And um, I can preach through anything. I preached, you know, 60 some odd days in the first year at Toronto. And if you can preach through that, you could preach through anything. <laughs> and uh, and I normally can't. And I get, it, I get off real easy, but it was a miracle, it truly was. But what I can't preach, I can't preach if no one's listening. It just runs me nuts. And and and, and so as I'm preaching, less and less and less people are listening. And I, I can see they're all looking over there. And I, I'm thinking, well, what's going on that no one's listening? So finally I, qu- I quit. And I walk over here to see what's going on. And I got over... And there's this big black guy. He's like 6'5", 6'6", probably 350 pounds. It's not like he's just got a big belly. He's Everything's big. I, I couldn't have reached around his chest. You know, he was huge. Belly was just the same, hips. It's just like a big barrel, <laughs> big guy, huge. He had played tackle football. He was really, really big. But he's crying. That's got got my attention. Why is this big man, this, I mean, this guy was so strong. He was muscular. He, he wasn't fat. He, he liked the Hulk, but he wasn't green. And uh, <laughs> so I asked him, what's going on? What's happening over here? And he said, that's my wife in the second row. That's my wife. Ask her. And there's a bunch of women around her. So I, I knelt down and I said, What's going on? And she said, I'm 28 years old. When I was eight years old, I fell out of a project, you know, the project's houses, the, you know, public housing. I fell out, the window broke, and it almost cut my foot off. And it was hanging by like the Achilles tendon. And they had to reconstruct my foot to my, Um, leg and they had to put artificial tendons in and and since then for 20 years, since I was eight, I've never been able to run. Since I was eight years old, I've not been able to curl my toes. Since I was eight years old, I've not been able to flex my foot and if you can't flex your foot like that, you, you can't run. But when you said, I feel heat on the top of my left foot, that heat came on my foot instantly. And I said to myself, there's that self-talk, self, move your toes. And I tried to move my toes and I could. He said, I tried to flex my foot and I can. And then she got up and and everybody knew who she was. She she and her husband are leaders in the church and she ran around the church. And I, I and I'm thinking, God, you have a sense of humor. I left the camera at the hotel. This would have been one of the best testimonies I could have ever gotten on the video. So that afternoon, I met with the, the leaders of the church, and I'm praying for impartation for the ones who really were touched powerfully, but she and her husband are in that group, but they weren't, they were in the back row in, in a room, and there were no manifestations on them at all. But I kept feeling like, not because I see manifestations, but I feel like God is saying, pray for that woman I just healed this morning. So I said, would you guys come up? And they did, and I prayed for them, and I, just, I said, and again, it wasn't like there's was crazy manifestations or anything on them. And I blessed them and said, God, I think what God did to you, he's now going to do through you. And there's going to be an anointing come on you and your husband. And uh, and, and when that meeting got over, we had one hour to when the second meeting, the night meeting started. And uh, at the end of the night meeting, we're praying for people. And this guy came up. <laughs> And, oh, there's this psychiatrist that came. Because the, the the professor that recruited me had been a very liberal professor theologically. I don't mean politically, but theologically. He's very liberal. He didn't believe in the miracles and all that stuff until we started school there. And within three months, he flips. And he becomes our biggest cheerleader. But I found out, man, it's easier to flip a liberal than it is a fundamentalist. <laughs> because the liberal, when they they don't believe in miracles, period. But they do see one. It's easier for them to believe it's God than it is demons and, you know, and the devil. So they don't just automatically assume, well, that's a lying sign and wonder. They assume, well, well, I don't. that'd be harder for me to believe it's a devil than it is God that did that. But cessations, on the other hand, they have a tendency to lean to, well, that's, a, I, I know it's, but that's a lying sign and wonder. So he flips. So the psychiatrist came, because he's Korean, both of them Korean, and he said, I just wanted to see the person that flipped Andrew. Because I've been arguing with him for years. (laughs) And so, while while I'm there that night, up on the stage comes this young guy. And he says, and he goes, woof! A lot better than that, though. (laughs) That's called a roundhouse kick, and that was really kind of a poor imitation of it. But pretty good for 70, almost 71. Hey, come on. And anyway... And he he does that several times, and then he's up there, going, and I think, what's going on? And he says, Pastor, I used to I used to participate in um, martial arts um, competition, and one time several years ago, I was doing this roundhouse kick in professional not professional but semi professional uh, competition, and I heard a snap, and I. I've never been able to do that since. I could not do this because something snapped in my knee. And I couldn't do this. And I think, wow, this is amazing. Then I got the idea. I wonder who prayed for them. So I said, who who prayed for you? And he, he points over there. You know who he pointed to? The woman who just got her foot healed that afternoon we had prayed. And they're crying. And I, I said, I have a question for you. How does that make you feel that he healed you this morning? Oh, I felt so loved. I felt so loved. I said, well, how did it make you feel when he used you to heal somebody? He said, oh, I felt so loved. I felt so loved. So I asked the guy, have you guys seen this before? He said, no, the only thing we've seen healed is maybe a cold. And he was, they were both crying because God had used them. Now, so that was Sunday morning and Sunday night. And the next day I flew to Taipei, Taiwan. And I'm going to do meetings there. And following Sunday, I'm at this church. And I told that story because it's only a week old. After the sermon, this Chinese man comes up on the platform with his adult, adult daughter, and he said, I want to tell you something. Never heard of you. We didn't come here today because you're here. We don't know who you are. Never heard of you. <laughs> but as, And this is not my church. Today, as I'm driving to my church, going by this church, the Holy Spirit says, pull in here. You're supposed to go here today. I had no clue why we were supposed to go here today. But it was such a strong impression. I didn't want to disobey. So we pulled in. And we didn't know why we were here until you told that story. Now, my daughter, finish it she said I'm 28 years old when I was 8 years old I almost had my foot cut off and they had to reconnect it and put in artificial uh, leaders and I couldn't curl my toes I couldn't, I couldn't point my foot I couldn't run when I heard that story I knew God is getting ready to heal me and I went outside and I tried to run and I could run now I want you to see something. A week earlier in Dayton, Ohio, that woman was healed by a word of knowledge. But a week later, the other woman was healed by the testimony of what God had done earlier. Words of knowledge create faith. Testimonies create faith. And when people understand there's a connection between the testimony and them possibly being healed. You can't watch a video of testimonies the same way. For many years in Brazil, I would show videos to try to increase faith. One, 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 one time, i try and think of what I to say. One time, I didn't know why I said it, but I just did. I said, you know, I believe as you as you watch this video, you're going to get healed watching it. I, and I've ne- I'd never seen that happen in my life. I'd never seen somebody get healed watching it. It's always after when we would pray, it would build faith, and then we'd pray and they get healed. But I said this time, I believe God's going to heal you while you watch it because it's going to create faith. And I'm going to I believe that so much that when the video's over. I want everybody here to stand up and try to do something you can't because, you know, that way people won't be so self-conscious. And people got healed without a prayer. I hadn't prayed yet. And then we prayed and more got healed. And that happened over over and 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 over. And the one testimony, one video we saw the most people get healed on is one we're about to watch. Called Rainbow Sun. We're not, don't start it yet, but it's going to be Rainbow Sun. You say, why is it called Rainbow Sun? Because the day we arrived there, there was a huge rainbow around the sun at midday. And it was taking a picture of it. And it was in the newspaper the next, the next day. And when we saw that, we felt like, I think this is going to be good. <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, the rainbow is a sign of covenant. And then we got a rainbow around the sun all the way around it, 360 degree. And I said, God, you're just encouraging us. One time I forgot to tell people, you can be healed watching it. you know what? Nobody got healed watching it. Then I realized it's really true what I heard on the, on the bus on the way to this big Baptist church that used to be traditional and became charismatic. It had 300, now it's got 30,000. <clears> this guy told me the pastor, he said... Sometimes people ask me, How come your Baptist church is growing so fast, it's so much faster than ours? And I said, Do You know that stuff you don't like? That's the reason. <laughs> Sometimes in the United States, we think, Well, you can't embrace the Spirit because if you embrace the Spirit, you, 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 you'll scare everybody off. You, you can't have a big church and embrace the gifts of the spirit or the healing and you know but the largest traditional baptist church in brazil when i went there 6 years ago it was didn't believe in the gifts of the spirit for today a cessationist and they did a school like this school we had it there so many people were received impartation bodies were everywhere so many people got healed before we left four other largest baptist churches of four different states said before would you ask a minute?" And then we had five more come up and get healed. And one girl the when she knelt, she said, I can't. She came up. She wasn't healed when the crowd was. But she healed later. She said, what can't you? I said, what can't you? She said, I can't kneel. If I touch my knees to the floor, it's just excruciating pain. I prayed. She felt nothing. Unlike her, she didn't feel the heat. Don't put your faith in the heat. But if you, if you have heat, get, <laughs> be encouraged. <laughs> but if you don't, don't be discouraged. Because some people get healed. They don't feel that. I said, okay, oh, she felt nothing. I said, well, oh, try to do what you can't do. What couldn't she do? She couldn't kneel. The moment that she, her knees touched like that and she had no pain, she went down and started wailing out of joy. And it's a beautiful video. All right, we're going to pray for you. I want you to begin to try to move what, uh, and do what you can't do. Okay? Just as I'm going to start praying, you just start doing it. Father, I thank you in advance for what you're about to do. I don't know how you do it. My brain can't comprehend it. I don't even know what to say even to command it. I just know, Lord, I see you do this for now thousands of times, and we thank you, and we bless you. People that's got metal in their foot, in their wrist, in their elbows, in their shoulders, in their legs. God, across the knees, wherever there's pins. God, God, that one person had thirty screws in his body and metal bars, and in the leg twenty-eight and two in the shoulder, and both of them got healed. So Lord, we bless the people that are standing, and we don't. We just say thank you, thank you, God. Pain. Leave, movement be restored in the name of Jesus. Pain, leave, movement be restored in the name of Jesus. God, I don't know if you bend the metal or it disappears. Either way, it's it's miraculous. So we bless them, Father, in the name of Jesus. Anybody watching online, if this is your issue, get in on this. Get in on it. God can heal you there just as well as here. In the name of Jesus, we bless Him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now try to do what you can't do. Check it out. If your pain level or your functional level has improved by 80% or more, wave both hands over your head and keep waving them for a couple of minutes. Check it out. Keep waving. Thank you, God. 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 Thank Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Just checking. The person who's coming down the aisle with a child in your arm, I don't know if you're waving to somebody else or waving to me. Did you have? Okay. So I think there's five people with metal that received healing just then. Eighty percent or more. Thank you, God. Is there, is there another one back there? Six. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Well thank you for those that did is there somebody here, another one? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Now we six. Thank you, God. All right. Seven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I got another one here. Eight. It's still happening. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Give him the glory. Give him the glory. Yeah. Thank you, God. Now we're up to eight. Eight medal. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Another one. Well, eight. Nine. Thank you, Lord. A, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is that the first time we prayed for the medal? Okay. How many of you are not 80% but you're getting better? Would you wave your hand at me? Because you got metal, but you're not 80%, but you're better? Wave one arm. Okay. All right. Would you stand up? Those of you, you, had a, you got the metal issue, but you weren't, you're you not 80%, but you're better? Or you may not even be better, but you're feeling God's presence touching you. Go ahead and stand up. Now, Lord, we thank you for that eight in the name of Jesus. We thank you for that eight in Jesus' name. And I thank you for what's about to happen. God, we bless what you're doing. We come in alignment and agreement. And according to 2 Corinthians 1, verse 18, so the promises of God are not yes and no, but in Jesus Christ, they are yes. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So the church says, amen. Let it be, Lord. Amen It's not yes and no, but it's yes. The promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. So we say the amen. Let it be, let it be, let it be in the name of Jesus to the glory of God. Now, check out your body again. Check out your body one more time. And just don't try it one time, though. One guy in the Baptist church in Rio de Janeiro, this bunch of people got healed of metal. He had 16 screws, and I got a picture of all the metal in his, it's basically from his neck down to his um, coccyx, the tailbone. It's just all metal. 16 screws is in there, too, and he couldn't lift his arms past here. Everybody got healed pretty quick, but he didn't. But he didn't want to distract, detract from the message. So he walked out the side door and stood out, stood out in the hallway, and for the next 15 minutes, he doesn't stop trying to move. This is what you call Faith. And then, after 15 minutes of being out there while we're going on in here, in, in he came. Oh, well, we're going to pray. We're going to, we're giving, I'm just going to give you a little time to check it out because we're going to have it. See in a moment. So, I was preaching in this uh, church in Brazil, and this guy, um, well, I'm telling it wrong. I was preaching this church in Brazil. All of a sudden, I felt like a, somebody took a hammer and hit me on the wrist right there. And I don't even say it's a word of knowledge. But when I was preaching, when it happened, and when it did, I went, I literally, it hurt. I went, ow! And right over there with that guy that got healed tonight to come and give his testimony, wave your hand at The guy was seated right there, he had a broken pin, And if he would do his wrist like this, you would see the screw stick up about a half an inch. And it hurt. And the pastor, was a friend of the pastor, he said, yes. When that man saw me go, ow, he said, that's me. <laughs> and he was instantly healed. Instantly healed. And that night, I'm praying for this person that's got all this metal in their foot. Can't move the foot at all. It's got like four plates and like 17 or some odd screws. And I see this other person, and, and, and Brian Starley saw him too. He's got calipers and scars from here all the way down to here. And a bunch of screws in here. And he's sitting there. He keeps trying. And I'm th- I'm praying for this person. I'm saying, that's the guy. If I wasn't praying for this guy, I'd go pray for that guy. Because you can see, he is so expectant, so much faith. Because he just didn't do it once, twice, and quit. He's, he just kept doing it. Finally, Brian got to him, prayed for him. Several minutes later, he's walking without those calipers. And those knees are working. How? I don't know. I don't understand how he did it, how God did it. Okay. Those of you that were having, that we prayed for the last that were not 80% that had metal. If you now are 80%, would you wave both hands over your head like this? Okay. We have one. Thank you, Lord. Any others? Now you're 80%, but you weren't a while ago. Thank you, God. One over there, that's two. Thank you, God. That's a total of 10 tonight. Thank you, God. 11. Okay, thank you. Math's not my strength. Uh, Did somebody on the phone get healed? She got healed. Is she watching it on the live stream? So her sister got healed. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now, my question is, is she watching it, or did you, are you telling her the testimony what's happening here? She's listening on the phone. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, I, I listen, I want to tell you something. If you come up to me and say, can I stand in for somebody? And say, well, that's OTEC. Standing in for somebody that's not here—that's old tech. Get on your phone, call them. Yeah. Tell them what, you know that this is about you. Hold up, let them hear. Let them—they can get healed there. We see it happening a lot. All right, thank you, God. Now, the other thing that I don't—I don't go for words of knowledge on because I've seen God do this enough that, like metal, it's one thing I have a big, a, a greater measure of faith for. It's psoriatic arthritis in women. I had never prayed for anybody and never met anybody to pray for. Had psoriatic arthritis. I'm down in Brazil. This apostolic leader in Brasilia said, I don't want you to go down to hear Joseph Garlington preach. I want you to stay up here. I got a woman pastor. She's got really bad psoriatic arthritis. I want you to pray for her. I said, okay, I'll stay and pray. As I'm telling her, you might feel this or that or the other. And this is what I'm going to do. She said, well, it's already started. I said, what started? She said, the heat. It's in my neck. And, and so we just kept blessing what God is doing she get, she got drunk in the spirit she gets healed and I start to walk away and somebody says well, we have one more one more pastor another woman pastor I said well, what's wrong with you she said I got the same thing psoriatic arthritis and we start to pray and she's a mess emotionally because she's been in so much pain for so many years that she's emotionally a mess and it just hurts her really really bad Long story short, we pray. I got the other woman to help me now because you just got healed of it. We prayed and she gets healed. It took her two hours before she's able to come downstairs because she was just undone by the Spirit of God. The next night in the same city, we go to another church and the last woman I pray for is a woman missionary in Brazil. And I say, what's wrong with you? She says, I have psoriatic arthritis. Now, I've never prayed for psoriatic arthritis in my life. And now three women in a row. She said, I, I, I can barely uh, walk. We prayed, and she starts stomping her feet. All the pain left. Over the next few months, we prayed for 12 women before we had one that did not get healed of psoriatic arthritis. This last trip, and I, I've said, you know, you said, well, what about the men? Well, this last trip to Brazil, this guy came up to me, and he said, eight years ago, you prayed for me, you went into this church and you looked to your right, you looked to your left then you looked right at me and you said, somebody is here and God wants to heal you of severe rheumatoid arthritis. Lift your hand. He said, I couldn't lift my hand. My shoulders were frozen. I had arthritis really bad, rheumatoid arthritis. All I could do is lift my hand like from my elbow up. But when I lifted my hand from my elbow up, all of a sudden, heat came on my neck, fire came down my spine, and I went up like that. And I went to the doctor, and they could not find any rheumatoid arthritis. And listen, he said, that was eight years ago, and I've not had a bit of problem with it for eight years. So we're going to pray one more time for one more thing, and 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 then... Um, then we're going to transition to something else. <laughs> okay, if you have rheumatoid arthritis or psoriatic arthritis, men or women, also psoriasis, we've seen psoriasis get healed in its genetic to where just cleared up in the several pastors who had it. So if you had psoriasis, A woman in my church had it. 80% of her body, 20 to 80% every day of her life. From 20% to 80%. We prayed. It actually felt like God said, tell her within 30 days your flesh will be clean. 30 days later in St. Louis this happened. It's all gone. So if you have psoriatic arthritis, if you have rheumatoid arthritis, or if you have psoriasis, Stand. And they say, well, I don't want to stand. That's all right. It's your choice. God said, pray for the people who stand. He also said, don't let them sit passively waiting to feel something. The America needs to see faith. Ask them to do something to become involved. So if you have one of those things, if you want to be included in the prayer, you, you should be standing. Unless you're in a wheelchair. Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless everyone that's standing. I bless them, God. And I speak to their bodies in the authority of the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray for your kingdom's power to come and all arthritis. God, we come against psoriatic arthritis. We come against rheumatoid arthritis. In the name of Jesus, again, Lord, I don't know how you do this, but it's amazing that you do We speak the yes and the amen. Joints to be loosened. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit WD-40 to be poured into the joints in the name of Jesus. God, that frozen joints open up, be released. Frozen joints be released. God, in Jesus' name, the arthritis. We pray for you to lubricate their joints, swelling. We come against this autoimmune disease in the name of Jesus. And I speak wisdom and discernment to your immune system. And I tell your immune system, stop attacking your body. And I pray that your immune system now gains wisdom and discernment to know what it should attack and what it shouldn't attack. And I pray right now, just the Healing, the healing power of Jesus flow through your body. The fire of God come on you in Jesus' name. More, Lord. Now, thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Now, check it out. Before you sit down, check it out. Try to do something you couldn't do. Check things out. And if you are 80% better already wave both hands over your head. We have one over here. thank you God. thank you Lord thank you God. thank you Lord check it out. Anybody else another one back here two I think she's jumping up and down I don't know yeah Thank you God. thank you Lord. another one here four another one here five six this is kind of I'm a little bit thankful. Standing up. You're going to find out one of my pet peeves is when God heals somebody and they won't give him a good testimony. So there you got it. You got it right. That's much better. That looks like, I am really thankful. I'm going to give him the glory. Seven. I got eight here now. Wow. Over, over there. Did you get healed too? Nine. What are you sitting for? There you go. Give him good glory. Yeah, many people don't see this. It's if you're really thankful, stand up and let everybody know. I, I tell you, I am, a, I am really jealous for his glory. Another one got healed. Man, I've lost track. Would you all just really do that again? Because, it's, it's you know, everybody got healed of the arthritis stuff. Right now, stand back up to your feet and do it. I'll count really fast. But stand up so we can see again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10. Wave both hands over your head. 11, 12, 13. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah, I got that one. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Now, just, has anybody had this arthritis for more than uh, five years? I think you got healed and had it for more than five years. Okay. Yes. 10. More than ten years? Anybody had it more than ten years? About ten, okay. Anybody else? Where? Center, okay. All right. Uh, where's twenty? It's at least eighty percent better. All right. All right. So what I'd like, listen, we're gonna. I'm gonna transition here in a moment. And we're going to have a team come up after a while. And they're going to give a lot of words of knowledge. There's going to be a lot more healing take place. This is just the hors d'oeuvres, not the main meal. And because, because the more words of knowledge that God, it's going to create faith. There's high faith here. But I really feel this is important. Um... The, the sister here, if you would come up in, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to give your testimony. And the woman over there that it's, it's been almost 10 years, something close to that, if you two would come up, just tell a little bit about your story. Um, and as they're coming, I want to speak to you. Go ahead and come on up, these two. Listen, if you're here, I should have warned you earlier. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus... I'm not going to ask you if you believe or not in Jesus because even the devils believe and tremble. So it's not a matter of intellectual assent to some doctrine. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Have you become his disciple? And if not, I should have warned you, if you're determined you're never going to be, you shouldn't have watched this. (laughs) I'm, I'm totally serious. I give this invitation this way in Brazil all the time. Did you know Americans, we think the the worst sin are sexual sins. But Jesus didn't say sexual sins were the worst sins. He said the worst sin of all is the sin of unbelief. And how did he explain that? He said it would be better for the people of Sodom, from which we get the word sodomy. It would be better for them than it's going to be for the people of Capernaum on the day of judgment. Why? Because the people of Capernaum saw the miracles of God and persisted in unbelief. And the more light that you see, the more accountable accountable you are. The other thing, though, I'm glad you did stay, is because the Bible says the goodness of God brings us to repentance. You have seen the mercy of God in his place tonight. You you have seen the good news of the gospel of the kingdom pushing back darkness, disease. But he also can set you free from your demons. And he wants to cancel the sentence of death. that's over you. He wants to take it away. Matter of fact, he already has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And you can enter into the life that he has for you. All I'm going to do is I am going to count from ten to zero. When I get to zero, the invitation's over. But if you want to re- renew your commitment to God, in a sense, you maybe you've backslidden. Maybe you've never really had a true conversion. You've had a false conversion because it didn't really bring about any change in your life. And you'd like, and the Holy Spirit's drawing you to give your life to Jesus. And you say, I don't know what that means. Well, you feel like I'm talking to you. You feel like, and sometimes you get this knot in your throat and tears in your eyes. And it's like God's wooing. He's knocking. And so I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet. Everybody. And you may be here and you may be with boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, friend, significant other, whatever. But I do think a woman knows what a woman is. But anyway. (laughs) And you feel like God is wooing you and giving you the faith with which to believe if I will give my life to Him, if I will ask Him to forgive me, He will. That's a gift of faith that He gives you for that. So I'm going to count. I want you to start now. I've seen whole tribes in Indonesia, or Malaysia, I mean, a whole tribe up in this big Methodist church. They came together. In the Bible, we have more people coming in family units than individuals. It's in our individualistic culture that we have more emphasis on individuals. So if you're here and you're with a friend and neither of you, you're not sure if one of them's right or you're right with God or not, and you say, man, I want to give my life to Jesus, but I don't know if my boyfriend, my husband... My wife, I don't know if they want to. And if you're saying, I want to communicate to them, I want to do this, squeeze their hand. And then come together. We're not going to sing just as I am all five verses. This is the invitation. Just I'm going to count backwards to zero and then it's over. Come now. If this is God's calling you to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, come on. Ten. 9, come to the Lord. Come now. 8. Thank you, Lord. 7. There's more. There's more. God's knocking. Come on up. Here they come together. I love it. Thank you, Lord. 6. Come on. What a night to say yes to God. The greatest miracle of all, salvation. Five. Four. Come to the Lord. Come to the Lord. There's more coming. Church, this is really important. Come on up. Come on up here. Come on up here. You guys why don't you come over here? All of you come here in the front here together. Yeah, more are coming. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Four. Now let me let me let me say this to the people here. Four seconds left. I want to tell you this real quick. When I was 18 years old. For 11 months, I was a hypocrite. For 11 months, I was in church three. I was a youth leader and I was in a Baptist church three times a week. And I was stoned every day that summer. And I was had a lot of other stuff I was doing wrong. I was a double hypocrite. I was pretending I was something when I was in church. But I was also pretending I was something else when I was out my druggy buddies. Because I knew this is not me. I gave my life back to God on Sunday night. I was the only one that had a job, my two best friends. So I bought the drugs and supplied the for them. It wasn't heavy stuff, just marijuana. And uh, they're mad at me because I gave the drugs to the youth pastor to flush down the toilet. And now my friends are mad at me. But one of my friends was... a I was a hypocrite Baptist, he was a hypocrite Catholic. <laughs> and he was stoned every day and drunk every night. His dad was an alcoholic. Alcoholism ran in the family. And there was this one moment I did not seize upon. And we're talking when he's got me by my, by himself. He said, Randy, I appreciate what you've done. Because you were a hypocrite. I'm going to do the same thing. When I get older, I got, I got some wild oats I want to sell right now. But when I get older, I'm going to do what you did. And I'm going to become a good Catholic. I'm going to quit getting drunk all the time and stoned all the time. I'm going to start going back to church. My friend, whom I named my daughter after, Johanna. My friend had good intentions. One day, I'm going to get right with God. Four days later, we're coming down the highway. My cousin behind me said, Clark, if we had a wreck right now, you'd die and go to hell. He was really mad at me. I said, no, I wouldn't. Uh Uh-uh. I really wouldn't. I got things right with God. And my next best friend, Joe, next to me, said, That's right, Clark, you would, you would. I looked him in the eye. We're, ba- we're 18 years old. I said, No, I wouldn't, Joe. What about you? And then we dropped it. Within two minutes, I'm hit by a car, knocks me off the road. I go from here to that post right there. And I hit at about 65 mile an hour, a concrete embankment. And Joe was thrown through the windshield. His neck is broke and he's killed. He's lots of stuff wrong. I did not talk to the dead. I wasn't necromancing. But part of my therapy was I would go to the graveyard and sit next to his grave and cry. And I wasn't, I knew I wasn't talking to him. But I, for, I was for my own, for me oh I'm so sorry I didn't seize that opportunity to share the gospel with you because you were God was drawing you I'm so sorry I know the biggest one of the biggest things the enemy uses to keep people out of the kingdom of God and from having eternal life is to say now's not the time this is not a good time put it off a little more and so for you I told that story that's feeling him tugging and you just decide it's, it's just not the right time. The right time is when he's knocking. You see, I have enough faith that somebody's knocking at my door. If I will go to the door and open it, they'll come in. I don't have enough faith that at my convenience I can go to the door anytime I want and open it and somebody's going to come in. They only come in and somebody's knocking. The greatest opportunity you ever get is when God knocks at your heart. In that moment, if you open up, He will come in. If that was for you, before I get to zero, please start now. Four. Three. Come to the Lord. I'm not asking you to come to the church. I'm asking you to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and give Him your life. Two. One. Zero. Can, come in, come up here. Come up closer, 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 closer. I love to lead people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I'm with them and they maybe, you know, they... May not have never prayed and don't know what to do. I said, listen, I'll help you. I'll I'll lead the first part of the prayer and I'll give it in complete sentence. If you mean it, I want you to repeat it out loud. But when I get to the part, and by the way, I think some of you will pray this prayer that you knew you need to be up here, but you're scared, but you're going to pray it back there. That will still work. <laughs> if you mean it. But you need to follow it up with baptism as soon as possible. You're okay. When I get to the part that I say, hear my confession. I can't lead you anymore. I don't know what you feel guilty about. I don't know what's the things that you have the most regret for that you've done in your life. I don't know the things that's just like a heavy burden that you'd like to unload. Only you know that. And I'm not going to ask you to pray out loud enough that anybody hears you. You have an intercessor for you. Jesus Christ. He is your advocate. And in your confessions, like uh, uh, defense attorney, here's my case. (laughs) But I do want you just not to think the words in your head. I want you to say the words, but you don't have to have any sound, but form the words of your lips. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes, and then We'll come back and I'll pray and you you pray after me if you mean it. Okay? All right. You ready? All right. Father, thank you. Thank you for drawing me, convicting me of my sin and giving me faith that you will forgive me. I know I've sinned and I'm sorry for my sin. My sin against you And against other people. I ask you to forgive me because of what Jesus did. I believe that you will, because I believe that Jesus died in my place. He took my sins. Lord, I'm sorry. Hear my confession. This is your part now. Don't have to say anything out loud, but form the words with your lips. When I'm leading people one-on-one, this is when I often see the tears. This is where people often are touched at a deeper level. Lord we thank you. I'm praying for you guys you just keep praying. God we thank you. We pray Lord that you would lift the burden. You would lift the guilt. God you'd lift the shame. We pray in this very moment as they're bringing before you those things and uh, that they have regret and remorse and wish they'd never done and they feel guilty and bad about God. You're going to lift it. Take the sadness away. Take the, the guilt away. Fill them with your love and fill them with your peace and fill them with your joy. Let them know God that you have lifted that burden and you have adopted them into your family and you've made them brought them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light God you've moved them from death to life I pray God the reality of that would sink into their hearts in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus thank you Lord thank you God thank you God thank you God thank you God Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just as what you've been doing, if some if the, the things come up and you feel, oh gosh, I really feel guilty about something, I didn't even tell the Lord. You can tell him later. I want to. I want you to pray with me now. Thank you, God, for hearing my prayer. Thank you for forgiving me. I receive that forgiveness. I believe that you have accepted me that in Jesus I have forgiveness he is my righteousness he is my sanctification I am in him thank you Lord thank you for forgiveness thank you that I have eternal life now Lord I want to live victoriously. So I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.